Stand firm with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Welcome to another week of Spirit Katana. I'm your host, the old man. I'm Ruby. I'm Rosella. I'm Jadefire. And this week, it's just going to be the four of us, because Big Mama has some other things that she has to get taken care of today. Uh, chiropractor appointments and things. So, uh, we'll be flying without her, so sorry if uh, you are all disappointed. I know I am, because uh, she generates all kinds of great conversation. Which also means this might be a short episode this year. Or this year. This week. <laughs> How, we all have good stuff to say. Sure, sure, now you say that. But she brings out so much more from us, doesn't she? Yeah. Mm. <laughs> Alright, so, uh, I think this week, Ruby is a couple sections behind um, the majority, so... That's because you all decided to read a bunch and catch up to me, so it's not Well, that's fault. because you were constantly getting further and further. I thought that was going to be a constant thing, but apparently it switched again, so I don't know. Anyway, Ruby, what do you got for us? Um, a parable of the lost lamb, chapter 18, verses 11 through 14. What did I learn about God? That if you sin, he always will come looking for you. Mm, yep. It is nice to know that he will always come looking. It's kind of similar to my note last time, if we get led astray by any of the teachings from earlier in the chapter, too. We're supposed to be guarding from being led astray, right? But if we do get led astray, it's nice to know that he will be calling us back. So we just need to be listening. Mm-hmm. To get back on the right path. Alright, so then the next section, I think, is where Jadefire's at. So, Jadefire, why don't you start out with this one? Alrighty. My section is called, If Your Brother Sins Against You, and it's 18 through... Or, 18, 15 through 20. And my question is from verse 20. Uh... What can we learn about God? And my answer to that is that he is always with us. Ruby. Mine is restoring broken relationships. Um, what did I learn about God? That he wants peace. That is why he gives us these examples, like in verse, uh, verse eight, 17, to resolve it. Uh, verse 17 says... And if he refuses to listen, then share the issue with the congregation in hopes of restoration. Restoration. Yeah. If he still refuses to respond even to the church, then you must disregard him as though he were an outsider on the same level as an unrepentant sinner. So, like, he wants us to have peace among ourselves. That's why he, like, tells us how to make peace. Is this an example? Yes, I have... Is that the Passion Translation still? Yeah. Okay. I've not switched since we started. Yeah. I have a little issue with the way that one is worded um, on that particular subject. Um, it mentions an unrepentant sinner. And maybe that's fine. But, like, for example, mine says, Treat them as you would a pagan or a tax collector. So pagans, people that worship other things. Mm. And tax collectors, those that have betrayed their own people and are, you know, 
taking money from people. Um, and how would you treat people that are currently worshipping other gods? Um, I guess you might try to bring them the Bible. Right. You would try to read the, bring them the Bible. You don't treat them as an unrepentant sinner. They already are being an unrepentant sinner based off the previous couple verses. Right? Mm-hmm. That's why you're taking them there. You treat them as somebody who is not a believer, basically. Not an unrepentant sinner. I mean, an un- a non-believer is also somebody who hasn't repented of their sins. So there's an argument for it to be somewhat accurate, but I think it portrays a different message the way it's written. Like, you, get, it, I, for me, it says something, it's saying something different to my mind, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, um, I don't mean to just start bashing on the bashing again, but, <laughs> but yeah, uh, I think it's more important to realize that we're, because, like, a lot of people take this verse, and they just, like, put people, like, they shun them. They don't talk to them anymore, and that's not what it's telling us to do. They're not allowed to, like, partake in, like, maybe voting for things involved with the church or helping like direct where the church is going which makes sense because they're not a believer but you still want to reach out to them and hopefully help them see the light yeah does that make sense mm-hmm. okay so that's that's just why i have a little qualm with just the way it's worded because it's like it seems to push more towards what people often use the verse for which is nah, i would say inaccurate okay because so. <laughs> there's a lot of people that are like become very hateful they claim to be churches, but they're very hateful towards certain groups of people and stuff. Like, there's there's at least one church that I know has done a lot of things where they, like, protest and yell and do harsh things towards, like, uh, people that are homosexual. And, like, I don't necessarily agree with living that way, but I also do things in my life that I would tell you that I disagree with. So, sometimes my anger gets out of control or something like that, right? Mm-hmm. Things like that. Like... There is sin in my life as well. So if people were going to treat certain sins all equally, then they would have to treat me just as harshly and meanly and terribly as they treat them. Treat themselves that way because I'm pretty sure they're not perfect. Exactly. So we need to be still showing love towards them. You don't have to accept what they're doing as right to love somebody. A lot of people confuse love and acceptance as the same thing. So anyway, the next section I get to join in. All right. Mine is unlimited forgiveness. Mine is called The Parable of the Unmerciful Servant. Mine is called The Parable of the Unforgiving Servant. Mm. If I was reading that, it would be that. It would be well, the same we're as Jade e- we're, we're both ESV, so. So, first of all, does anybody remember what mercy is? Um, I get mercy and grace confused all the time. Yep, a lot of people do. Um, Is mercy where you give, like, like... Forgive someone even though they, though they don't for, deserve you it. Withhold the punishment. That yeah, they yeah. That's mercy. Yeah. Grace, grace is giving something to somebody they do not a good thing that they do not deserve. So God gave us grace and mercy. Exactly. He had mercy on us because we deserve hell, and He gives grace by giving us everlasting life with Him in heaven or the new earth or however that all works in the afterlife. Anyway. All right. So my note is from eighteen twenty eight. But when that servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred silver coins. He grabbed him and began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. And my note here says, no one owes us equal or more than what we've been forgiven. Nobody owes us this, like, all we've been forgiven, nobody owes us even that much, let alone more. So, how can we choose to not forgive others? We've been forgiven more than anybody has ever done to us. 
So what right do we have to not forgive somebody else? We should always be ready to forgive. Withholding forgiveness shifts us in a direction where we think we are more important than God. We've done much harsher things to God and he's forgiven us than what anybody has done to us. So if we can't forgive them, we think that our feelings matter more. Would it be the suggestion, when you think about it, you'd be like, well, I don't think that, but you're acting like it. It's what you're truly believing. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. So no matter what they've done, even if they've continued to do it, especially if they ask for forgiveness, we should not withhold it. And it's very good for us to forgive even without them forgiving, because there's two levels of forgiveness. There's the forgiveness of, uh, I've forgiven them in my heart. I'm not going to like hold it against them necessarily. But you're still not going to have a good relationship with that person probably unless they've come and actually repented and seek that forgiveness. But what if they, like a little kid with a parent, will say sorry so they don't really mean it, but... Well, that's when you're training the child to at least, you know, apologize. and We're working from there. <laughs> so like, but even if people do that when they're older... Well, then that's not a true apology. So you still just forgive them on one level? So you're still forgiving. You're ready to forgive, and you're not going to hold it. And when they say those words to you, I am sorry, will you forgive me? And I won't do, like, they're saying that they're not going to do this again, so, supposedly. So you can be like, okay, and then they do it again. Well, that's on them, not you. Now, do you have to, forgiveness is hard. And why is it hard? Because you have to let go of your own feelings on them. Did it hurt? It costs you something to forgive somebody, right? I think so. Because they've done something bad to you and you're not holding it against them. You're not demanding payment back. You're not demanding revenge or anything like that. That's hard because you want to see justice and you're forgoing having that final outcome. Does that make sense? I think so. Because do they deserve it? Maybe not. Because maybe they don't mean they're a public. <laughs> I see where you're going with this. <laughs> but we are called to forgive like we've been forgiven we've said sorry do we still go back and sin it almost seems like we're not sorry then and we could be truly lamenting it but then then the next moment when the temptation comes up it's not enough to keep us from doing it again yeah but then we should also go back and apologize again because jesus also has that talk about how often should you forgive someone 70 well it depends on the translation but basically if they keep asking for it you keep giving it and yes it can hurt it can suck. Your relationships might still be frayed, but you need to keep trying. Even if you are sure that you know that it's not going to be any different. Now, that doesn't mean be stupid, okay? You don't want to put yourself in life in death situations. Like, they tried to kill you? Yeah, they should probably go to jail. It's fine to call the cops and have them go to jail. That's not being unforgiving. That's so that they can get the help they need to. <laughs> you don't just let them walk all over you. And it's protecting others. And it's protecting others, yes. So... You do have, there's, there's some wisdom involved. You do have to be discerning. And there's going to be times where you're going to be putting yourself constantly in the same situation and opportunities to be hurt. And that can suck and be really hard. But that doesn't mean we should stop doing it. Just saying. I'll do, I'm going to go do the math of 70 times 70 and only forgive people that way. Okay. You it can goes do that. to like a thousand or something, right? <laughs> something. Anyway, that's my note. Ruby, what do you get? What does God want my life to look like? To always forgive no matter what. No matter what. You know, kind of summing up your whole yeah. thing. Yeah, no, it was, it was a good sum summation. I liked it. Very good. <laughs> Jade Fire? Uh, my, mine is the parable of the unforgiving servant, 1821 through 35. Uh, question, what does God want your life to look like? And my answer is to share my blessings. 
I mainly just got that from the entire part. Like, he got, um, he got forgived. And forgiven. Forgiven, whatever. Um, and then he didn't forgive. Right. And then he got unforgived. Unforgiven. <laughs> technically. Grammar's hard. It's not as hard as math, though. <laughs> okay. Well, let's move on to chapter 19, then. Let's have Ruby start again. Okay. Mine is questions about divorce. Yeah, mine's just straight up divorce. Okay. Teaching um, about divorce. We actually just talked about divorce today, too, on our walk, didn't we? <laughs> They're never getting yeah. divorced, otherwise mm-hmm. I tie them together. Ruby is uh, threatening me and Big Mama if we ever get if we even think about divorce. If they, will they got divorced, I'd visit them both. I'd visit my dad at night. That's how divorce works usually. I'd only visit my dad at night and then my mom day because my mom needs her sleep. <laughs> <laughs> um what does God want my life to look like? That if I mammy that if I marry to be careful about who I marry and to listen to him if I listen to my parents, like, to marry the right person and to listen to that person. Yeah, listen to me. And actually. When I say no, don't marry that person. <laughs> well, I mean, we would have a talk about it. No, just, I will know the answer. And I will just give you a yes or no. And you just accept it. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, I'm actually, it doesn't work that they, way anymore. Actually, if they get divorced, I think I'm going to live with my mom. I bet you people even discussed it sometimes back then, too. Maybe not as often or as common, but I bet there were still some discussions. Because not every... Like, they still want what's best for their child, probably. I mainly meant you don't ask the dad if they you can marry mm. or not. Sure. Well, back then, I think it was required. Yeah, you don't have to do that anymore. Yeah, it's not a requirement. Anymore. Is it, though? To follow the Bible, I would say you might need it. I think there can be a lot of wisdom in it, but of course it also depends on who your parents are. Yes. If If they're not God-fearing people, then why... Why Then take it up with God and be like... Yeah, he's the one who you really should be asking. Well, yeah. You might get your information through me or mom, but he's the one you really should be asking. But, like, if you don't have God-fearing parents, I see a lot of people who don't have people who have God or whatever, and then, like, they have their essentially adopted father who like is a christian if they're christian yeah so sure sometimes people have their adopted father that they listen to about things like that yeah absolutely all right so was there anything else to that or just be careful i think it was just be careful and listen to him if i marry the right person like oh Mm -hmm. like go to the vow and like he is above me i mean yeah that's wise to pay attention to what you're doing now a warning with that and this is why you really should just be seeking God's counsel at all times even throughout your marriage do you think that I'm the same person that your mom met when I was 17 no do you think I'm the same person your mom married no no people change and that's where marriages start to get hard because people aren't quite the same person they used what? to be. what what is happening is your, mar- is your marriage getting hard with mama no but there's a lot of marriages that get hard because you're not the same person they married and stuff like that is their excuse you're not the same person i married four years ago true a lot of times because you don't want to be the same people you should be growing and maturing always 
And if one person starts getting left behind, then they act ridiculous a lot of times. But, um, and sometimes people just grow apart, which is why that, that image that Jadefire loves so much, the triangle image, God's at the top of the triangle, and the husband and wife are at the two other far ends, and the closer they grow to God, God, the closer they grow to God, the closer they come together. So you should always be growing closer to God at each other. Um, and so you need to have a lot of grace and mercy throughout your marriage. <laughs> um, which this also touches on a little bit, but I'll talk about that in a second. So Jade Fire can go next. All right. Um, teaching about divorce, 19, 1 through 12. Question, what does God want your life to look like? Answer, let your yes be yes and your no be no. Oh, I see. Where is it? Well, I, I think he's just taking it from when you get married. You're saying you're going to stay together. You're making that promise. Oh. I think so he just, just kind of went for that. Make it when you said yes, I will marry you, and I have married you. I said yes, I said I do. So mean it. Mean that it stays that way. Yeah. I like that. That's actually really good. I, and I'm, I'm with you. I agree. I think a lot of people often come into it, especially in our world where divorce is common enough, that um, people are like, well, I love you, so I will stay with you unless we suddenly don't love each other anymore or things get hard or something like that. Well, I mean, Mom was talking about one person who it got it's really hard and, like, technically they're not married because of they were... Oh, yeah, legally like, they're not married. But they're still together and he doesn't want to be with her but he's well yeah there's it, it, because marriage isn't about bringing you joy that's what a lot of people want to think of it's supposed to be like well they don't make me happy anymore that's not the point of marriage the marriage is actually supposed to be a reflection of god's relationship with the church when we screw up are, are we making him happy mm, yeah so does he divorce no. us no he continues to pursue us and call us back to him israel was called the adulterous nation meaning they kept committing adultery by worshipping other gods. Did he get rid of them? No. They had fallen into consequences and got ruled over by the kings on occasion because of it, but he always brought them back. Anyway, back to the whole thing about, like, when things get hard and stuff like that. He said, Moses permitted you to divorce your wives because your hearts were hard, but it was not this way from the beginning. The idea was that there should be no divorce, right? Because mm -hmm. if we go back up to verse 6... What does he say? So they are no longer two, but one flesh. When you get married, you are no longer two separate beings. You are one. You can be... Com you can be Just like when we have been married to Christ, we are one with Christ. You, when you get combined... You can be combined, but you can't be, like, torn apart. That's the idea, I think. Are you confused that we are married to Christ? It just seems really weird. Well, Paul has a whole letter about it. I know, but it still seems really weird. <laughs> Shoot, I should know this. Um, what is he? I can't tell you. I need to know. But so we are one flesh when you're married. Therefore, what God has joined together, He's the one who joined them together. Let no one, no man, separate. That means including the people involved in the marriage. What? Doesn't that like, or doesn't that, isn't that included in like when they are married? What God has, or what that God depends has. on who's doing the marrying and stuff. Um, I know that we've <clears throat> talked about this before, but it, I forgot. Um, what if you're still a Christian and the other person isn't Christian anymore? Then we, you still remain with them as long as they want to remain with you. If they choose to leave, you let them leave. But what if they're starting to like poison your mind? 
Remember, if any you're supposed to be on guard from false teachings and being led astray, and if you are led astray, guess who will find you? Just to go back to listening to him, right? What if they're abusing you and still want to be married to you? <laughs> that one's a very controversial topic. Um, again, if somebody is hurting you or trying to kill you, do you call the cops? Yes, you call the cops. Will they be put in jail for it? Yes, they will most likely end up in jail if they are beating you. Is that loving? Yes, it is very loving because they need to stop from hurting themselves and other people. But the, do you still stay married to them? I'm probably not going to... Get, I don't think a lot of people will like my answer, but my answer would be yes, you probably would stay married to them. So that, it, de- it does depend on certain situations and like what they believe and all that stuff too, I think. What do you mean? Well, if they're not a Christian and they choose, like they don't want to stay with you, especially after you have them arrested, well, then they want to leave oh, and then you're done. if they don't want to stay with you, then I mean right. like, <clears throat> if they leave you. Or if they're, and like again, you have to try to like be very wise <clears throat> and discerning over the situation like if they're saying they want to be with you but it's you know that they're saying that because they still want to control you and that means they don't want to be with you so it gets really dicey that i would not i certainly wouldn't judge anybody for divorcing in that situation because i don't have all the answers there and i'm just ask god but i don't think you should remain in the same house that's for sure just go like live with your parents and ask god what you should do if you just get god's help it gets really hard to get that helps sometimes, though, because the world will be shouting at you, basically, of one answer that they think is right. Like, almost everybody, from a worldly viewpoint, would be like, yeah, of course you divorce them. You get out of Dodge. You just have to ask God. Because, again, we will often suffer things as we try to do what's right. And people will treat us harshly in different ways. But, again, you need to protect yourself and your children if they're involved. So. Oh, yeah. If your kids are involved, it's like... So, sweetie, we're gonna go live with my parents. So, yeah, basically, my. So, I know I've said a lot already, but my little note here is that there were permissions given to be divorced, but only because of hard hearts. Because people's hearts were hard, and we're not supposed to have hard hearts. So, we should not separate. Then, why was there permission if they had hard hearts? Because God allowed them to do that. I don't. He should just, like, not. Divorcing <laughs> should be illegal. So, should you say that God should just not let us sin? I'd like that. Is there any free will there? Are we then choosing God by that point? I've already chosen God, so can he just, like, force me not to sin? <laughs> there, I've chosen you. Now stop letting me sin. Hey, it's a good... I understand the sentiment. <laughs> Alright, so... Yeah, I think a lot of people are too willing to divorce even over, like, things that the world will say, well, obviously, like, if your spouse cheated on you, a lot of people are like, well, that's it. They obviously were adulterous, slept with somebody else. We're adulterous. Exactly. But some of us aren't literally sleeping with other people. Well, right, but we still put things before God, and therefore we are cheating on him. Yeah, but the whole sleeping with other people concept, we're not doing that exactly. Well, we're not doing that physically, no, but our hearts and minds, which is the more important part, because what do we learn about looking at somebody with hate or having hate in our heart towards somebody? That's the same as murder, which also means looking at another woman, like, with lust in your heart, like, I want to sleep with that woman is the same as sleeping with that woman. All right, so those are my thoughts on marriage, which might be somewhat controversial, and if you all hate me, that's fine. Uh, You can go ahead and email me about it and tell me where I'm wrong or where you think I'm wrong. Because I could, I, 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 seriously, it's a complicated situation and there's so many different aspects to everything. 
but I don't want to get caught in what the world is saying. The world often shouts very specific things that we should have as standards, which is silly since they don't even know where the standards come from if they're not recognizing where God is or that he exists. But I want to be more true to what the Bible is telling me. And it sounds like, for the most part, there should be no divorce. Yeah, and if you There think... are exceptions, even without having a hard heart. But overall, you shouldn't be doing it. Yeah, if you think divorce is fun on any occasion... You should talk to God, because maybe we are wrong, but maybe you should talk to God first. But anyway, you can always email me at hunterfieldmanor at gmail.com. Moving on to the next section, so that Rosella can finally join in. Yay! The Rich and the Kingdom of God, is what mine is called. Let the children come Jesus. To Jesus and the little children. Let the little children oh, come to me. I lied. Mine isn't the rich in the kingdom of God. I was like, isn't that the next section? That's my next section. My section is the little children and Jesus. Yeah, my next Jesus. section is the rich young man. So it's you like verses 13 through 15 for me? 13 through 15. Yeah. All right. Can I start? Yes. Give it to us, Rosella. Jesus loves everyone. Yeah, because some people were trying to rebuke the children from coming up to him and stuff, right? Or bringing little children up to him. But he's like, no, I don't know. Let them come. So, Jadefire, what do you got? Um, what can you learn about God? And my answer to that is that he will take time for all of us. Mm, very good. I like that. Thank you. That is true. All right. My note is... Do not hinder them. We're supposed to have the faith of a child. Little children believe easier, and we should believe in God like that. But how often do we try to explain things away and hinder our own belief as well as others? Why do we do that? Uh, putting a block in front of it, like getting in the way of it. So like, you're like, well, no, God said this, so I believe it. It's like, well, but God could be lying to you. That would slow you down, make you maybe doubt for a second, be like, oh, maybe he is. And that would be hindering your belief. Now, God does not lie, but I'm just, like, that would be <laughs> a way. Absolutely does not lie. Exactly. But if I mean, lying, if it's a fellow Christian who's like, huh, you might want to just double check it is God, not the devil. And then if it is definitely God, you might want to go talk to this person. Yeah. But, like, the idea is, like, so often, especially as we grow to be more adults, we see many things and we learn how things work more and more that we try to explain away even miracles. Which is really silly because even if you there is a scientific explanation for it, it's still miraculous that it, it happened what it needed to happen. Well, that too. Because um, God is controlling the world. He can utilize the creation that he made. Because, I mean, really... How does a rainbow work? How does light rain coming down and the sun hitting it just right make those colors in that row? Maybe it's explained by science. But who made that weird science? God. Again, yeah, if you try to explain anything, there's always a why, which people get annoyed with as adults, right? When the five-year-old is always like, why? 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 But why? Why? Because you can't explain it. It's only so far. You can only go so far with an explanation. Because we don't know all the information. Huh? Sometimes the why doesn't even work. Well, that's true. And if you change the question and ask them a question in it, I've stopped two-year-olds. Yeah. (laughs) There was an episode of Bluey 
but the cat <coughs> kept asking why. And then she's like, just because. And then they're like, that's not a reason. Yeah, there's a lot of things I can look up and find out information on when people ask, well, how does this work? Why does this work? Why does it do this? And all that. But eventually there's a limit to that knowledge that I even have over certain things. But even what they understand, they couldn't explain it all the way down. Because eventually you have to get to God. So you can explain it all the way down. If you allow for a God, yes. <laughs> Not everybody does. <laughs> Moving on. Ruby, what do you got? What did I learn about God slash Jesus? That he loves everyone and no matter how exhausted he is or something. I think the disciples use as an excuse. He always wants little children to come to him. Hmm. Sure. All right, then I think we move on to the next section. For me, that's 16 through, verse 16 through the end of the chapter, I think. Exactly. Um, the rich yep. and the kingdom of God. A rich young man questions Jesus. The rich young man. Yep, uh, mine is 16 through the end, and uh, the rich young man. All right, Jadefire, start us off. Yay! Um... Uh, 1921 is where I get this question. What does God want your life to look like? And, and my answer is to sell and give. Like, to sell yourself so that you can give the money to the poor. Because it pretty much think, literally says that. Well, I think it, he just wanted that one young man, basically, to do that. Like, that's what he had to do. That's because he was idolizing his stuff. Yeah. yeah to, like, get rid of your idols. Like, for me... Mainly for me, it would be like to sell my video games and then give that money to the poor. So are you going to do that? If that's what he wants your life to look like, are you going to strive to make your life look like what he wants? Oh. Shows where your heart is, where your treasure is. Something for you to think about. Yeah. Okay. So I did have a couple notes here. So first one comes from 24 and 26. Again, I tell you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. A camel. It's usually an elephant. No, it's usually a camel. Camel elephant? Oh, okay. This? First night or chapter nineteen, verse twenty-four. Mine is heavy camel. rope. Hmm? Mine's heavy rope. Yeah, I know yours is. Sorry, what? Mine's a camel. Yeah. I feel like I like mine because it still is possible. Like if you like de-string the rope and fit it all through. Okay. That would be heavy rope. So that's an interesting point too. Okay, I got a couple things to say. First of all, I would argue that you could actually fit a camel through the eye of a needle as well. You would have to kill it, and you would have to do a lot of work at cutting it down and demolishing its bones, but you could fit a camel through the eye of a needle. It I will not be alive anymore. It would be hard. It would be a, very hard. Harder than the rope. I like, I like yours better. But, to your point, an argument can be made that if you do that, it is no longer the object that it was, and therefore... Did you actually get a camel through there? Because it's not a camel anymore. Did you actually get a heavy rope through there? Because it's no longer a heavy rope. You've been transformed in God! Which is another interesting example. That this isn't saying. Because I highlighted two verses for my note. Again, I tell you it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. Jesus looked at them in verse 26 and said, With man, this is impossible. Being transformed like but God. with God, all things are possible. Now, my note, I like the amusing imagery here, kind of like the plank in an eye, like he's using exaggerative language, 
which is why the camel's better than a rope, because it's much more exaggerative. So, like the plank in the eye, right? You don't literally have a plank in your eye, but it's a funny image to get you to understand what he's trying to say, right? So I like how he uses amusing imagery to show just how helpless we are. Because <laughs> the, the, I don't even know where to begin to do what I suggested with the camel. <laughs> and I would never try. And if we want to be saved, we need God. If God ever asked me to get a camel through the eye of the needle, I'd be like, okay, you're dead, camel. Here we go. Because <laughs> if we want to be saved, we need God. He is Lord over the simple and the impossible. We can't do anything without him, but we can do all things in him. So that's important. Also, I also want to make another note here, is that there's a common teaching that some people use, not like common in all churches, but it's said frequently enough that supposedly there was a thing called the eye of the camel or no the eye of a needle not the eye of a camel oh Sorry. that was the eye of a tiger that's the song shut up mm-hmm. um don't no, no, literally that, that, that's the there's a thing, thing called the eye of the needle supposedly which was an entryway into cities supposedly and so to get in with a camel you would have to take all its bags off because it would be like a saddle little stuff you know all that uh-huh. stuff you would have to get off and the camel would have to like lower its head and kind of almost get down on its knees to even get through. And people tell this story because they think it's a great imagery, and they're trying to say that this is what Jesus was saying, is that to get through this eye of the needle for, with a camel, you actually have to submit to God and remove all your baggage of all your belongings and stuff that you want to cling to, all your other idols, to be able to get through. Now, do I think that's true, that you have to do that to come to God? And actually be saved? Yes, you should humble yourself and get rid of your idols. Yes. Do I think that Jesus is telling them that they need to, like, it's the example of the camel getting through this door? Absolutely not. Because if that is as true as they're saying, it wouldn't even nearly be impossible. And he wouldn't use the verse next, that other verse where it says, with man this is impossible. I think he literally means a needle like we're thinking. A needle that you can poke yourself with. Right. So, I just want to put that out there. Yes, we should do those things. That's a cool concept, but I don't think that's what Jesus is necessarily saying. I could be wrong. Maybe he's saying both. Maybe he knew that we would think of it that way and also use it that way. I could be wrong. (laughs) Anyway, my other note is from 28. Jesus said to them, Truly I tell you, at the renewal of all things, when the Son of Man sits on his glorious throne, you who have followed me will also sit on twelve thrones, judging the twelve tribes of Israel. And I was just curious. I was wondering. So he has 12 apostles. Uh-huh. Do each of them have ancestry in the different 12 tribes of Israel? That's what I was wondering. Because yeah. that would be kind of cool. Yeah, look oh, it I up. Don't know if, I don't even know if we have that information. Because then I'm also wondering, because we end up with a, a new apostle after Judas kills himself to replace Judas. And does he fulfill that same role then in that same ancestry? Wait, did, who's sitting up there in heaven? That Judas? Or, or is Judas well, going I, to hell? Oh, I, yeah, I think Judas is done. Oh. But he wouldn't kill himself. Poor Judas. Poor Judas. He would Jesus. Poor all the people that choose to separate themselves from God and spend eternity in hell. We should feel sorry for them. And we should try to save them from that fate as much as we can. Judas is lost. Time travel. I mean, time Time travel. travel. Alright. Ruby, what do you got for this section? What does God want my life to look like? To make sure I put nothing before him and that I always follow him. Very good. Very good. And when you were talking about <clears throat> Jane Fire and um, 
how he has things that he might put before God. I was just wondering if there's anything you could think of that I would put before God, because I was trying to think of that myself. I mean, there's certainly thing, at least one thing that would be hard, but I feel like I'd still do it. I think that you don't necessarily have physical things that you would need to remove from yourself. I think it is more things like being right, not getting things wrong, being perfect um, in everything with with in the world, not necessarily being perfect with God, but like you hold on to that so well that you, when you are wrong or confronted with those things, you are more likely to, like you feel like you need to prove yourself and be understood, which isn't necessarily true. And I think you hold those higher than God sometimes where you will treat others poorly in your effort to show that you are right. You know what I mean? So your things are less tangible. They're harder to explain because of that fact. It's not like you have your dolls and you're like, well, nope, I like my dolls too much. I can't, I can't sell That's them. the first thing I went to is all my doll sure, stuff sure, and sure, my sure. dolls. So I was like, no, if getting to God, I would throw those out my window. Like, well, out my window, I could go get them back. I mean, like, sell them. Get and like, me. for me, there are plenty of things that I would be, um... I would find challenging to part with, for sure. The thing I thought would be challenging was spending time with you guys I like mm. to do. But it's like, if I need to go live in the woods, well, I probably would survive. Yeah, and anything you're willing to sin to get, that's when you realize that you're putting those above God, right? Yeah. Um, And there are definitely things in my life that, like, if, you, if Jesus showed up and be like, well, you need to sell all these things, I'd be like, they would be hard. Um, I would like to say that I would do it. I, I don't think I'm as attached to them where I would... I, I can't say I would definitely say, no, I'm keeping these things, right? Yeah. Like, I would ser- I can seriously consider it, like, think, okay, I can do this, right? Um, there was times in my life where I wouldn't, for sure. Um, and the, the one thing that would be really challenging is if I were told that I had to sacrifice my life with... Not, like, my living life, but, like, the life I know with you guys. Like, you and mom and stuff, and I was told I had to go somewhere for, like, a year without any of you. Or more. That would be hard. I don't think I would be called to do that, necessarily, but that would be hard. Like, uh, that would, that would, that would cause me to be like, I don't know if I can do that. Well, that's kind of the thing, like, living the woods without anybody. Sure. But, like, I think it'd be like, I I don't really want to do this, and it kind of sucks, but... If but, like, I'm also supposed God. to take care of my family and all that stuff, so they would have to be a very convincing reason, and, like, not even necessarily a reason, but I would have to be absolutely convinced that is what God is telling me to do, to do that, right? Because then it would be not doing what God told right. you to do. And, like, I have video games, I have video game consoles, I have my computer, my internet. All those things would be really hard for me to let go. The internet specifically, probably, and the computer. But I would do it. I could do that. Like, the new Switch we got? I'd throw that. Yeah. And I used to cling to things a lot more, and I would be like, oh, I could just never not... Like, I could never stop enjoying those things or whatever, but I've grown enough in my walk with Christ that I could be like, no. If if he calls those things away, then they're gone. Um, The tricky part is if they they cause me to sin and I'm not recognizing it because I've been too blinded by it in front of my face that I don't know that it's causing me to stumble then I need to have somebody help get me in check and like realign so I can see what it's doing and then cut it out of my life if I have to fortunately most of the time I can like most things in my life 
don't cause me to stray from God. Yeah, any fake I have, I'm pretty sure I'd give it up. I might be, like, not wanting to, but yeah. I would. It would be really hard for me to give up my stuffies. Your stuffies? Oh, your stuffed animals? Yeah. Alright, Rosilla, what do you I'm got for this section? Rich yep. The rich young man. Give to those who need. Where do you pull that from exactly? I mean, I'm pretty sure it's the same verse that your brother highlighted. But... I didn't write it down. You gotta write these down, kid. It's, it'll help you. It's verse 21. Jesus answered, If you want to be perfect, go, sell your possessions, and give to the poor. Right? Is that the one you were thinking of? And you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. See, that's a big part of our struggle is on this earth, is that all these objects we have, we're like, well, if I sell them, I won't have them. And it's like, well, yeah, but when you die, you're not going to have them either. What we should be focused on, because it's hard to focus on the eternity, because we haven't experienced it. You've only experienced 12 years of life, right, Ruby? Yes, but in a way, I still have a gauge of what being in eternity would be like. Because, well, not exactly, but, like, giving up things on this earth. Because, like, my dolls, am I going to really care that much about them when I get turned 30? Like. Yeah. Well, and some do. Because they don't let go. But, and you've only experienced 13 years, right, Jade Fire? 13, like, how? Sure. 13. Um, and Rosella, you've got, what, 10 years under your belt? Yeah. So, you've only been here for a little over a decade, or only a decade for some, right? Yeah. That's not a very long time. Nope. I've been here for a few decades, and even that's not a very long time. But as a child, when I've only experienced the same amount of life as you've experienced, I'm like, whoa, I couldn't even imagine being like 30, right? That yeah. seems so old. I'm past that now, right? And, and like, years seem to take forever. Yeah. Now, at this age, they are not long at all. They're not? They don't feel long at all. Because there's so much going on in my life. Taking care of you guys, working, all that stuff, right? I'm not quite to where the years are that fast, but... Yeah, uh, one year, very quick. Yeah, sure. go by much faster. Right, and they didn't used to, right? No. So you see that, like, as you get older, you find that time feels like it speeds up. Like, things do not last as long as you thought they Part of the reason where I, instead of having it, like, every week, I had my Bible study uh, teacher... Go, come every other week instead of every exactly. week. Exactly. This is why I don't like to do things on a weekly basis because it feels like it's way too much. Yeah. Um, I like doing them on a weekly basis because then it comes. Some things, but like a lot of things, no. Um, because I, I need time to be able to do other things. Like if something comes up and I've already got like 50 things I'm doing every week, then I have no time for anything. I don't, I'm not necessarily wanting a bunch of things every week. Right. But. So I struggle with weekly things for sure. But, like, as you grow, you start to learn just how, like, time changes as you go. But, like, we've only, so when you've experienced only a few years, a year still seems like a long time. That you can't really, you it's, it's even harder to, like, conceive what, like, an eternal life is, right? And especially, and in a way, as you get older and time goes even faster, it's hard to believe that there's going to be a point where time doesn't even matter. Because right now it matters quite a bit, it seems. And so, like, we cling to the things that we have here because we don't understand the thing that we don't see, right? So, like, our video games, our dolls, our whatevers, you know, TV, uh, books even, you know, all that stuff that we might treasure. Stuffies. Stuffies. They'll all be gone, and what we experience, the treasures we get in heaven, will last us 
so much longer that we won't even remember the Stuntis, right? Because all that will be so far behind us. Because we have an eternal life ahead of us with God, who's the greatest treasure. I mean, theoretically, if our bodies are unimaginable, we would probably be able to remember, like, everything. I mean, possibly. But my point is, is that it would be such a blip. Like, for you, it consumes so much of your life. You've had stuffies almost your entire life. (laughs) Eternity will make your entire life, even beyond what you've already lived, feel like a second. If that. So my point is, is that if we can change our mindset to the eternal, it makes it much easier to separate ourselves from the physical things. Now, now I think you have a benefit because as I've grown in my walk and become, like, actually, like, sought out God and to be more like him in my adult life, I've been able to impart that kind of concept to you guys all the time. And, like, you, Ruby, you've taken to that. You get that, right? You still don't understand eternity because I don't even understand eternity, right? But we get that it is so much longer than what we've experienced. And you've also learned, just in small doses, how it feels to have thing to delay gratification. So not to have things now, and to let it push out because of the bigger reward later. And that's what eternity is, the greatest, biggest reward later. So to withhold even our entire lives, as much as that sounds like it would be really hard, it's actually going to be such a short time. It'll be all the time you know on this earth, but it's such a short amount of time compared to eternity. So if we can get our minds there, it would be much easier to separate ourselves from our things and be like, yeah, okay, we'll give it to the poor. So having an eternal mindset helps in a lot of things. It also helps overlook all the offenses and mean things people do. So we can move on to chapter 20. I think this is my last section. (gasps) It should be. Yep, it should be. I think this is my application section. Then I think Ruby should start us off since it's her last. Vineyard. The word is vineyard. I know it's spelled vineyard, but it's usually pronounced. Laborers in the vineyard. Vineyard. The parable of the workers in the vineyard. A parable of workers in the vineyard. Okay. My application is what does God want my life to... Or not application. My thing is what does God want my life to look like? To not focus on other people or what grace people are giving to other people, but just focus on me. Like um, the people in the story who came first in the day were upset that other people got more or the same amount, but like they got what they were told they were going to get. Maybe that was unfair, but that was their choice. Life is unfair, especially with like God forgiving us our debt. I was going to say, one might say grace is unfair, which is what this is an image of. The promised salvation. What is your note for this section, Rosella? If you're first, go last. <laughs> That's a lot like my note. Okay, cool. You know what that means? So that the last will be first and the first will be last in this section? Uh, probably not. So it seems like he's saying that, at least to me, I could be wrong. Um, but what it sounds like to me, because... The first ones that were hired thought that they deserved more. Well, the last ones hired, they got what they were promised to and were happy with it. And therefore, the first ones are more disgruntled and separate themselves from the owner more. And therefore, are would be like last in the kingdom. Kind of like the Pharisees. They thought they deserved everything because they had been following the laws that they created, basically, for so long. Because they added on to the law. Yeah, I know. 
but um, but they actually will end up being last because they're not willing to accept Christ. They're not willing to accept that salvation. So I think that's kind of what it's saying. It's like those that were first or whatever, they think that they're entitled to more. Those that put themselves like, well, I should have so much more. They're going to find themselves last because they aren't willing to accept what they were given. Also, legitimately, first will be last. The last should be last will be first. Should be a thing that happens in life because people are always pushing to the front of the line. Jade Fire, what's your note? You said it's similar to Rosella's. My note is to put others first. Ah, okay. Like I said, probably my. So you guys obviously focused on a line that doesn't quite mean what you think it means, which is interesting. I didn't. No, but these two did. Alright, I also highlighted that section, along with a lot of other verses in front of it. So, 12 through 16. These who were hired last worked only one hour, they said, and you have made them equal to us, who have borne the burden of the work and the heat of the day. But he answered one of them, I am not being unfair to you, friend. Didn't you agree to work for a denarius? Take your pay and go. I want to give the one who was hired last the same as I gave you. Don't I have the right to do what I want with my own money? Or are you envious because I am generous? So the last will be first and the first will be last. So, we should abandon any sense of entitlement. Do you know what entitlement is? Yes, pretty much. It means that you think you deserve something because of something you did or whatever. You think you deserve something just because you're the oldest. Or you think you deserve something just because um, you're, you worked harder than somebody. Or you believe you worked harder than somebody else. Like they did, okay? Or you were saved first. You came to Christ at a younger age than, say, your dad. And so you think you deserve more benefits from God than I do. Things like that. That would be an entitlement feeling. We should abandon any sense of that feeling. We we aren't entitled to anything. Um, except for God, the, he's given us this, this free gift and we can accept it. We are free to do that. Uh, we do not deserve God's salvation any more than anyone else. Those who have lived a long life in sin and accept Jesus in their last moments are also awarded with an eternity with God, just like those who have been striving to be more like him for most of their life. Which is what this is an example of with the parable. And in this parable, it it isn't as if the latter workers were having a grand old time. So like it seems to be like this lie that they're believing too. It's like, well, they didn't have to work all day, so they've been lazy and doing nothing. And it's like, that's not exactly true. What what were the state of those workers when we met them before they were hired? They were waiting. Yeah. They weren't going off playing games or anything. Now, was it easier? Probably. But they were still waiting because they wanted work. And they probably believed that they were going to get only a couple hours of work, which means only a couple of hours of pay. And we are built for working within God's creation. Like us people, we were built, like Adam and Eve, they were caretakers of the garden. It was an easier garden to take care of probably than gardens are today with all the weeds and all that stuff. But they were designed to be there, to live with God, to share in his glory in paradise, taking care of the garden and the animals. But to work, they were still working. We weren't free of work. Work is part of it. Work, We work with God, and it's great. Yeah. And I didn't even fully understand this until a few years back when we got goats. And I was working on the fence and stuff, and it was hard. It sucked sometimes, but I felt so accomplished and like I was doing what I was supposed to be doing by doing all that work. Which I don't always feel, because I don't like to do chores. <laughs> but I felt right. I was doing what God wanted me to be doing in that time, and working to take care of these things and all that stuff so and loving my wife in the process 
Um, That's the main reason you do chores. That is the main reason I do chores. So, but yeah, so there's a sense of accomplishment and fulfillment for doing the work God has for us. So honestly, the people that were working the vineyard all day were feeling a lot more accomplished than the people waiting around. And they also had the knowledge that they were going to get paid because they've already been told. So in a way, they had it better. It may not look like it to you children because you haven't quite grown into that understanding. It took me forever. But they had it better. They just didn't even know it. And that's the same with like those. So those, this goes back to the whole sin example, right? Those that have lived in sin for all their life and only finally find God in the last moments of the life, they still had a really crappy time most of their life. Most likely. Almost definitely. They may not have realized how crappy it was at times, but they always were feeling unfulfilled. That's fair. Because they're trying to fill their life with something that isn't actually giving life. Those that have found God have, yeah, maybe they've been yelled at, accused of hypocrisy, told that they are foolish for believing God, and treated badly. They've worked hard to give the message to people. They've given their money to people that needed it and then found that those people just squandered it away anyway and didn't actually do anything good with it. They've done and gone through so much hardship, but they've been with God the whole time and they've known their salvation is coming this entire time. Whereas those people that lived without God didn't know where they were going in the end. They had no concept of what eternal life or what their afterlife was, if they even had something. Maybe they thought they would just cease to exist. Which doesn't fill anybody with any kind of hope. That's true. It gives your life no meaning. So you still had it better off working alongside God all your life. It does So yes, you both get this salvation in the end and that should be great. For them, they finally get some relief. And you get to know that you helped get, work with God and you get to continue to be with this person. This, this being, I should say. And, and this also reminded me of the other parable, uh, another parable, the parable of um, the prodigal son. Do you remember that one? Uh, the prodigal son who left and got all his money. Early? Yeah. yeah. Well, the one, the one son stayed. Uh-huh. So he hadn't come into his inheritance and didn't get his stuff yet because his dad still lived. Yeah. Which means he still had something to look forward to. This might be easier for you guys to understand than actually working outside, too, like I was talking about. But, like... The son decided he wanted all his money, he took it, and he blew it all. And ended up in a desperate situation with nobody to take care of him. No food that he wanted to eat what the pigs were eating. Which is disgusting. Right? It's, isn't the stuff that pigs eat just a ton of scraps and slop? Yep. So, then the one that stayed with his father the whole time was just like the workers that were hired early in the day. He stayed with his dad. He continued to work on the property that they had or whatever and take care of the things that they had. But that also meant that he was also always in the presence of his father's love. He always had food on the table. He never was going hungry. Right? Right. And there's fulfillment that he could have accepted in that work if he was looking for it. He was healthier and happier all that time than his brother was who spent all his money and wasted it all. Did his father who spent all his money, I thought he got his inheritance still like he... It never says that. What it says is that he was celebrated. He got to live with his father again. They they sacrificed the, the fattest... Well, like sacrificed. They killed the fattest whatever so that they could have this great meal. And his brother was like, well, that's not fair. You never do this stuff with me. Your brother's been starving and desperate and lonely and hurting all this time because he made a foolish decision and you still have your inheritance to look forward to while you also enjoyed the comforts of home all this time. 
I think they enjoyed at the party. <laughs> That's true too. So it, we just we're not looking at how things are for the other people when we're trying to say that well we deserve more. It's like they don't you understand what they've been going through <laughs> where you've had it so easy quote unquote. So we often have trouble seeing and therefore believing the consequences and justice built into God's creation because there's still consequences for the the wayward son, the prodigal son's lifestyle and choices. He still had to deal with being hungry for a long time, not knowing where he was going to go, not having any more money. That was all stuff that continued. He still had those consequences. Yes, he got to be back home and back in a loving family, which is great. But that did not free him from those consequences that he was going to have to deal with and had dealt with. So just because you don't see what happens to people or understand it does not mean that they don't have their own situations that they've gone through that, that you think it's unfair, right? So you should, we should all get off of that idea of fairness and entitlement, right? So yeah, I think both these parables are really helpful in getting us to change our perspective on our own position in all sorts of relationships with your brothers, sisters, your parents, just other people, people that are mean to you for no reason, and certainly on our position in relation to God and how we should share in the joy and help celebrate those that have come through hardships that they've often created for themselves. We should be celebrating the fact that they're finally with us. Because now, because remember, what did, what did people say? People said they felt bad for Judas and they felt bad for other sinners that are going to hell. Well, if you actually feel bad, then you should be celebrating those that are finally free of that. Because they finally accepted Jesus no matter when they did it, right? Mm-hmm. If you really were going to feel bad for them, this way you don't have to feel bad for them. You don't have to feel sorry for them because they're here with us. And that's very good news. Which is why this is the gospel. The good news. Uh-huh. All right. So, sorry. I know it was a very long note. But I just thought it was really good stuff. <laughs> you said we got less because Big Mama wasn't here. Yeah, well, maybe I, maybe God knew that she wasn't going to be here, so he gave me more things to think about. All right, uh, was that the last one to go for that? Yeah, because you started us off, Ruby. So you're done with your sections? Okay. Mm-hmm. So Jane Fire should start next, right? Yep. So yeah, this is what Jesus, Jesus predicts his death a third time. Jesus foretells his death a third time. Jesus foretells his death for a third, or Jesus foretells his death a third time. Alright, um, there wasn't much to take a note out of, and I was sitting there for a while, and I'm like, how will I take a note out of this? And so eventually I just wrote, um, what can you learn about God that he will prepare us if he needs to? Yep. My note is, Jesus continually and patiently tries to prepare everyone for what is going to happen and even letting them know that death will not be the end. They still freak out later, but he he's obviously given them plenty of warning and preparation for this, including the fact that he won't stay dead. Wasn't Jed Byers know that about that one when uh, Jesus was predicting his death a second time? Possibly. Yeah, there's not much to take out. So. I mean, my note is the same as his, pretty much. I just had more to say on it. So, I'm good. <laughs> And that was my last note. Good, good. Anyway, Rosella, what do you have for Jesus predicts his death a third time? Or foretells his death a third time? He will always come back. All right. I like that. You cannot keep Jesus down. He will always rise back up. He gets knocked down, but he gets up again. Never gonna keep him down. (laughs) No, she is halfway up. I'm never gonna let you down. All right, all right. So... The next section, which I believe will be my final section. I'll be the star of the show. So, a mother's request, which goes from verse 20 to 28. 
A mother's request. Yeah, same thing. So this is the section where Zebedee's sons, which are James and John, um, their mother comes and asks Jesus a favor. Oh, I think I know that story. Yep. This is where we, this is a section where we get the sons of thunder. Although I don't know if maybe the, no. This, this is they are the sons of thunder. There's a different gospel where it talks about the brothers are supposedly the ones that do the requesting, and Jesus calls them the sons of thunder. I think mine probably has something about that because it's the ambition of Jacob and John. So from 22 to 23, you don't know what you are asking. Jesus said to them, "Can you drink the cup I am going to drink?" "We can," they answered. Jesus said to them, You will indeed drink from my cup, but to sit at my right or left is not for me to grant. These places belong to those for whom they have been prepared by my father. This is more just a question or or a thought that I was having. So I've often wondered when Jesus refers to the two, or like when Jesus says, you don't know what you're asking because they're asking to be on his right and left, to sit at his right and left in the kingdom. I wonder when Jesus responds to that because of the context about the cup. Do you, do you all know what the cup is, by the way? When like, he says, can you drink the cup that I'm going to drink? You told me like, earlier. Yeah. Well, like, kind of like um, taking up his cross, in a sense. What do you think, Jadefire? What do you think the cup is? Uh, I have no idea. <laughs> so, does anybody remember when Jesus is praying right before he gets arrested? He prays multiple times and his apostles keep falling asleep? Mm-hmm. Yeah. What does he pray? That he doesn't have to take the cross, but God's will be done. He doesn't want to be crucified. But how does he rephrase it? Does he say, God, I don't want to be crucified. Please don't let that happen, but your will be done, not mine. I guess I don't know how he phrases it. Let this cup pass by me. I was right, but... The cup is his crucifixion. Oh. So when he says, can you drink this cup? He's like, can you get crucified? Not that they knew what he was talking about yet, because they seemed to fail the whole... Uh, his dying thing he's like can you drink it and they're like yes we can and what does he tell them that they will drink it because i do believe james and john are crucified later in life i could be wrong but i think both of them do get crucified i know some of the apostles do eventually get crucified um i think peter when he got crucified didn't he have his cross upside down or something i believe you're right on that because he couldn't be killed like the savior right something i don't remember i just anyway because he's referring to the crucifixion when he talks about how they don't know what they're asking and who's going to be on the right and left of them is what God has decided. And I have a feeling that when they're talking about sitting on thrones next to him, he's actually referring to the two men on the cross beside of him because he has two men, on the one on the right and the left, when he's crucified. So basically they were asking to be crucified alongside him and they didn't know that because that's what he was trying to say. You have no idea what you're talking about. You don't actually want to be there. <laughs> I, I could be wrong, but that's what I've been wondering because of the context of everything around it. Well, I'll think over that when I read it tomorrow, yeah. tonight. So, now for my actual note. Well, that was more of a question and thought because it didn't really show us me learning anything about who he is or anything. All right, so just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Verse 28. And I know I've talked about this before, so it's maybe not necessarily anything new, but it, just humility again. He is being humble. He has, once again, he has ultimate power and authority over everything. But he does not lord it over them, but lays down his life and serves others. Ain't that right, Rosella? Yep. Rosella, what do you got? You should love others. You should not control them. Oh, okay. Yep. And how do you love others? By giving mercy to them. 
and Grace, and you should be teaching them about God. And what's the best way to teach somebody something, do you think? I do not know. Live by example. Oh, yeah! Do the very things that you're trying to tell them that the Bible tells us to do. Because if you're not doing it and you tell them that's what God says to do, they're not going to really buy into it. We are supposed to be that light unto the world, just so others can see that. God's glory, love, and grace in you! Yep. Makes sense? Amen. Makes sense? Yes. Yes. Alright. Rosella, go ahead to the next section. You're the last one for these last two. Jesus heals two blind men. I wrote, even when they could not see, they still cried out to Jesus. Yeah. Shows some faith, doesn't it? You know, we're always talked. About, we're always called to have like blind faith because you don't having faith is believing when you don't see it, right? They literally couldn't see. Yeah, like people were like, "Stop it!" Yeah. Once again, everybody keeps trying to tell people to leave Jesus alone. Jesus, is like, stop that. <laughs> Stop telling. Because with the kids, we had that today. But then there's, like, the lady at the well. I mean, that might even be in this gospel, but I don't even remember now. But, like, this lady at the well, and they're, like, they think it was weird that she, he's talking to her, because that's a weird thing for somebody to be doing, especially since she's a Samaritan. Um, there's the crowd of people that are coming, like the woman who was bleeding for, for 12 years or whatever. They're, like, leave him alone. It's, like, no, 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 no. I'm here for them. Stop that. Yeah. All right. And your last section, Rosella, um, which must be in chapter 21. She said, chapter 21, the triumphant entry. The triumphant entry. The triumphant entry. They knew that he was holy. Is what I mean. They knew that he was holy? Yes. Oh, because they were all like laying things down for him to come and all that stuff? Because that's where they leave, like lay down the palm branches for him on the donkey and stuff, right? On Sunday. Yeah. That's, uh, that's funny because that was your Sunday reading, too. So, yeah, they knew, and they made a big old thing of it. That's really cool. All right, so, application. I remember mine. All right, Rosella, go ahead. To not, like, store things up and then just let it all out at somebody oh like bottling your feelings yeah, and yeah, stuff. gotcha 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 that's your application or that was your application last time yeah how's that going i feel like i'm doing better i don't know okay well keep working on it of course but is there anything new this week or you feel like that's just the continuing thing this time around i feel like that's the con okay yeah i mean all the things you if you're not if you're not there yet you should always be continuing working on everything we've said in the past. Now, are you going to remember everything we said? Probably not. But you can always go back and listen to them. All right. Do you happen to remember yours, Jade Fire? Absolutely not. Ruby? Oh, um, I remember my... Or you took notes like a good girl. Okay. My application was to be more humble like a teachable child. Oh, huh. okay. And I don't think I've had... Any problems that I have to think. Be willing to be told what to do and taught and accepting what your parents say and things. What were we discussing at the walk that would be calling you Vito for the Oh, that's right. Yeah, I did do that, didn't I? I gave you some straight up fact and you were disgruntled about No, 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 no. You gave me a lie. Okay. Uh, so you're still not learning. No, 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 no. You said I'm still as nosy as I was before. Ah, 
I did not say that. Ah, I yes, said you, you were still nosy. You said, well, I've gotten better. I'm like, yes, but you're still pretty nosy. And you said, I'm just nosy as much as anybody else. And I said, that's not true. You are still What'd nosier than other people. And your mom laughed at your response because she knew that you are wrong and you still aren't willing to accept it. But I'm not. Maybe I want to You're right. Be. You aren't willing to accept it. Maybe I want to still be nosy, she but I don't do him. it. So definitely keep working on your application. My application for this week is to forgive. Okay. My application for this week is to put others first. Okay. So my application last time... I believe had something to do along the lines of just not being too harsh and stuff. I don't remember exactly what I said. But yeah, I think that's just a continuing thing. Like, for example, like the very, one of the last, well, my last section, I guess, not lording over others and stuff. I have authority over everybody here, but I should not be abusing that privilege, right? I should be using it to help you and encourage you and build you up. That does not mean that I don't also have to deal with like giving consequences and teaching that way as well because i'm trying to love you in that way but to not be harsh and i can be pretty harsh sometimes so and there's was more of that in this one so i'm going to continue along that path oh who sure does it to pray uh technically mine because big mom was supposed to do it last time but i did it last time and she's not here this time so yours all right Dear God, thank you for this time I could spend with um, my family, uh, help the rest of the week go well, and uh, help everybody to do better with their applications. Amen. Amen. Yeah, you have to give us all sips nope. since you do. Since it was already open. I'll give you a sip of my spit if you want. Yeah. All right, then. Sleep is for the week. Hey, when I went to Iowa, I had to crystal midnight, and I sent that to Bob, and she sent me this little thing of a person doing push-ups. Sleep is for the week. <laughs> That's funny. Another saying I like is, I'll sleep when I'm dead. <laughs> Yesterday, the evil evolution of a Corian, um, somebody at a party pronounced it Vaporeon. I mean, it's vapor, which is what, you know, which is water, so that makes sense. It was funny. <coughs> My best friend. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Belly. <laughs> I'm just in the same category as anybody who has a nose.